0: Minus 3 is presented for the people by Caesars Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. Must be 21 or older. If you're Notre Dame, you got to be alert for a run
1: here as the last play of the game. Give it to him.
2: Train up the middle. He's in. Touchdown, Ohio State. They walk it off at Notre Dame Stadium.
1: On third and seven. Pickett drops. Firing deep down
2: streaking is Calvin Austin who's got it and he's got it all touchdown Pittsburgh two, Knicks to the end zone and it's into
1: the arms of Troy Franklin touchdown Oregon I know that you said it's embarrassing but this is kind of an historic game
3: I'm aware third time the team has scored 70 points over 70
2: what's the question I mean, what's the question I I just finished telling you next question Minus three with Dave Damoschek.
0: 70 points. The Denver Broncos allowed 70 points and their head coach was bad mouthing in the last head coach. Plus, the Buffaloes got hammered by Oregon. Sorry, Colorado-based football fans. Good news. Hockey season is almost here. Now all you got to do is get through. Caleb Williams and USC. Smaller matter, Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. Hi and hello and welcome to Minus Three. Presented as always. Bye, Omaha. Hope your football weekend was dandy. It certainly was on my end. Enjoyed watching all day Saturday. It was really a legendary day there. Saturday um, gave way to a good slate of games on Sunday. Hope you enjoyed those. Damashek, four and one in college. Tennessee lay in uh 21. Colorado and Oregon went under 70 and a half. SC and Arizona State went over 62 and a half. Bama Covered the six and a half. Only the Irish let me down there. Eddie Spaghetti, I know you're still licking your wounds from that one. Nine and four, though, for Damashek on Sunday. That even beat our pal, our aggregated pick, on the 15-minute pregame show that we do every week. Make sure you subscribe. On YouTube for that one, our guy, our aggregated pick, my uh, final score prediction, Hench and Eddie Spaghetti's, Aggregated Brady Lemieux, is how we do that. He only went seven and six. That means Damashek is leading the way this week, Eddie Spaghetti.
1: Yeah. I um I wish I didn't have to come on here. I wish I didn't have to talk sports for a career. Yeah, but you do, but, this but is you what do I'm, though. This is what you I'm made your bet. To. The funniest thing about um after the, the, the game, the Irish Buckeyes game was uh, my fiance, Jada, like having like a, a semi-serious talk because I was in a, a weird state. And she was like, I know you work in sports, but I think you're going to have to figure out a way to either not watch or like just not be a fan anymore. And I was like that. It's the it was just. There's nothing worse than knowing you should have won the game, knowing you 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 probably were the better team. Uh I don't care what people want to argue with me online about that. The name Notre, Notre Wait, was the wait, 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 wait. Game. I love
0: this. I love the angst. You know I do. Forgive me. I'm sorry for for uh celebrating not celebrating it, but I do love to hear your sorrow after a game. Also your glee. You know what? Let's hear all of that because I just said Denver slash Colorado football fans maybe had the toughest weekend. Now that you're saying it, Eddie Spaghetti's sports weekend goes Giants on Thursday night. Yep. And then the Irish on Saturday. Imagine if you're a Chicago sports fan, you have, you know, that's an hour and a half or whatever from South Bend. So the Irish get whipped or lose a heartbreaker and then the Bears and all time shaming there. You know what? Let's talk about all of that right now with one of our all-time favorite guests, Brad Spielberger, and then come back on the other side. I want to get your thoughts on the college football slate that we just saw there. Uh, Right now, though, from PFF and beyond, it's our guy Spielberger.
2: must be 21 plus and present in president select states gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply see app for details
0: all right listen we went through our process as we do perennially we identified this guy brought him along real slow things have really slowed down nice for him now now he's a big star on PFF and now launching this very week Yins no ball a Pittsburgh Steelers twice a week Podcast, don't you know? He's our pal. He's Brad Spielberger. What's happening, man? How are you?
3: I'm doing great. I appreciate the slow developmental process, uh, you know, with you guys, and uh, yeah, th- things are popping off.
0: Oh, we always knew you yeah, had the we the the goods there, but uh, you know, Chicago Bears went through their process and identified Justin Fields, and things are not looking good there. I do want to get your assessment of that. But of course, we have to talk about the number one story. We would not be doing good journalism. What do you think Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey's mom talked about in that luxury box? Because that, you know, in their normal circumstances, it occurred to me like everybody's making a big deal. Like, was it appropriate for T-Swift to be F-bombing up there? My concern was she was doing it within the earshot of Travis Kelsey's mom. Do you think that that's a little bit you know, too much too soon, like, hey, that's my son out there, and I'm not F-bombing. How say you? You saw
3: the reaction to the touchdown. She was jumping up, going crazy. Donna had, Donna Kelsey, that is, had Mm -hmm. more of the, you know, act like you've been there before because I've been here about 80 times, you know, for Travis's touchdowns. As for the F-bomb, I do think, I mean, very early for them to meet, period, based on the timeline that we understand this relationship, I know they're mega celebrities and all that. I'm not sure who else. Swift would be sitting with but I mean she's meeting mom real early in the process there but I imagine uh, Donna Kelsey has heard every swear word imaginable between Travis and Jason uh, over their 30 some odd years of life.
0: Here's my concern word on the street is that Travis Kelsey if you saw him he had on a little bit of like a David Byrne talking head zoot suit like ill fitting suit but I guess that's hip and now with the kids so I'm not going to weigh in on what he chose to wasn't my favorite look but okay that's that's fine he did what he did and then they drove off in a convertible like uh, travolta and olivia newton john at the end of um of greece and they flew off not into the heavens rather into a restaurant that travis had bought out he rented out the whole joint my concern is is this setting the bar too high where do you go from there on date number two, if your first date is renting out an entire restaurant.
3: Well, real quick, it's funny tying back to the bears. This is like when you bring your girlfriend from high school to your homecoming football game in college. And let's say you're at like a power five school and you're playing, you know, FCS, whatever. And you know, you're going to win 49, nothing. And you're probably not even going to play the second half. That's basically what this chiefs bears game was after where you go from there. I mean, you're already as Travis, you're basically you know, like you're Oprah Winfrey's boyfriend, right? Like you're already battling from, you know, from the bottom there, he's been successful. He's in, in a half dozen commercials now, apparently, but you know, I, I think he can really only do what he can, can, what he can do. Taylor is the breadwinner of the couple by I'm sure an order of magnitudes.
0: Yeah. I guess that's probably true. A little bit of uh Giselle and Tom kind of stuff. Uh, rest in peace to, to that beautiful love. Um, yeah. Um, I also wonder if that's a, that's a great point you make about the Chicago Bears. Were they not a lamb, but a sacrificial bear thrown out there? That Travis circled this one. You know, coincidence? Hey, why don't you come on over while we hammer the biggest punchline in pro football? Like, I, there's uh, there's a good chance that I will have a good team against this atrocious football collective. Ergo, I'd love for you to be there for this particular game. I, I like where your head's at there, Spielberg. Yeah. savvy. Yeah. yeah. Um, or I like where Kelsey's head is on that one. Um, also, do you think he did – my old pal uh, David Feeney always suggested this, and I think it's, a, it's the best, is do you think – this is their first official date, I gather – do you think he did the wheel, which is to say she's like, they're looking at the menu. Do you think they had like a menu? Like did the waiter come over to them? Like the whole place is there, so – It seems like you probably wouldn't need that. But do you think she's like, I think I'd like to try an appetizer. And he was like, no, no, let's try all the appetizers. Bring us the wheel. Every appetizer on the menu. If you want to take a bite of one bite of each one, the world is your oyster. If you're riding with Kelsey, you know, isn't that a nice message? I would even go a step
3: further and say that he might have had chefs in there that would just make whatever she wanted to eat or maybe, you know, a prefix. And he found out what her favorite foods are. We're now going off the rails. There's also a lot of discourse about her eating chicken tenders and ketchup in the press bar or whatever the box they were sitting in. There was a whole conversation about that as well. A lot of tentacles to the coverage here, the analysis. But, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Travis said order whatever you want. They'll find a way to make it,
0: uh, you know, just really, you know, all options on the table. Um, okay, good deep dive there. I think we we've covered a fair amount of that one. I I completely missed. I can uh, obviously I'm out of my depth. I didn't even know about the chicken tenders thing. So let's move on um, to the other side of things and uh, and the state of your bears and Justin Fields. Let's let's first of all before we jump into a broader conversation, are you out on this kid?
3: Uh, unfortunately, yeah, look, we'll get into the conversation of everything else that's going wrong here, but I mean, the internal clock is just, it's an hourglass. It, it's a, you know, it's a sundial. I mean, he really just cannot see the field. Um, you know, his lack of, his lack of confidence and loss of confidence again is maybe not entirely his fault, but as much as we touted him as a prospect coming out, he fell to 11 for a reason and, and, and a, a trade up to 11, you know, from Chicago. And there were a lot of, you know, analysts and scouts that said, his processing is really not great. He was playing with a bunch of first-round picks, wide receivers, top 10 pick wide receivers, um, and you still, the entire time he's been good in Chicago, it's throwing to guys that are already open, which is just not how you play NFL quarterback. You throw to guys that are coming open or you throw a guy open. He only pulls the trigger if a guy is sitting there wide open. Lot of them, special athletic talent. He is not a drop-back quarterback in this, in this league. He's frankly
0: not even close. So what would be your solution just I mean do you think I mean you know you're 3 games in this is this is the the ugly place to to be if you're a professional I I'd love to be making millions of dollars doing anything and I would be willing to trade my physical well-being for millions of dollars as football players do but still 3 games in especially there was a little bit of glow optimism for the last six months, and it's obvious that this season is scuttled if you're on the Chicago Bears. Um, what, what do they do to get from here through New Year's now, though? Do you just continue to operate business as usual? Do you have to ch- try to make a change in how you're using Justin Fields at this point? What I mean, what would be your plot for these next 14 games?
3: That's the confusing thing here and where the blame for everybody else comes in which certainly they deserve a ton of it. Um offensive coordinator Luke gets he made a switch last year going into a Monday night game against the Patriots. They had I don't know a dozen or more designed runs for Justin Fields. And then uh, this year, for some reason, they're at, like two or three a game, and even against Kansas city. And I know it got out of hand pretty much immediately. So you probably have to abandon the run, but the chiefs play a ton of band coverage. We know Steve Spagnola does the same thing pretty much every week. And, and that is what new England did last year. And Justin Fields carved them up the entire game. So you still don't rely on that. I think you do have to shift back to running him a ton, Rolling him out and having half field reads like they're trying to make him this pocket drop back guy, which he, he just isn't good enough to do at the same time. I mean, the the, the DJ Moore drop, I think, was the pivotal moment like they were going to lose this game regardless. But when he dropped that bomb, it just sucked any positivity you could have possibly had. But yeah, do I bench him? No. Do I trade him? No. You just play to his strengths, play to his skill set, get healthy on the offensive line you know, get the receivers to play a bit better, but, but those aren't excuses. That's just, you know, ways to improve, but yeah. And then you start scouting Caleb Williams, Drake may JJ McCarthy, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I want to
0: get to what those alternatives might be. Um, I I do, you know, people have had this conversation, you know, since I've been following that coordinators that the, desire to do what they want to do, what they think will work in terms of X's and O's, 11 on 11 versus the specific skill set. And it's it's pretty transparent to me that a guy like oh, the, the the paradox is, and I've had this conversation with X and O experts a, a, a ton about like the paradox of there are only a small handful of guys that don't need play action to thrive consistently. And so you watch Sunday night football for instance and Kenny Pickett looks a little bit better when they're not coincidentally moving him around. They're moving the pot, they're moving uh, the line with him. They're giving him those gentle rolls. What, what Luke Getzey was a hot ticket item this offseason as a, as a guy who was really a difference maker as an offensive coordinator. What what do you suppose um how they're getting lost with using Justin Fields appropriately, which is, as you say, is running them around some.
3: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, they might try to blame. I mean, look, they're down four starters on the offensive line. The one starter they do have is a rookie right tackle, uh, you know, and Darnell Wright, who I think has looked pretty solid. So they could probably argue, I mean, week one, when he did roll out, the Packers sacked him. I think both times they ran a designed rollout. Uh, Lucas Van Ness had one. I think Rashawn Gary or Kingsley and got him on the other. So no matter what they've done, it's failed. But I still think you just have to move the pocket. Like you said, play action um, and maybe more under center period because there's been a lot of shotgun. We have seen an increase there. But I mean, look, the personnel still is a problem. It's the worst roster talent wise in the NFL still. But I, I do just think Getsy has not designed the correct offense. It abandoned things that worked last year. Um, and I'm not particularly sure why.
0: Um, let's do something win place show. We like to do it on extra points. the podcast win place show ranking all manner of things. And I like to celebrate the best of the best, best position groups by team in sports history. Let's do the other side of it here. Where do Chicago Bears quarterbacks as a group? And I am including Mike Phipps and Vince Evans and Bobby Douglas and, you know, Steve Fuller. And I mean, you know the list. You know, you know who's on the list there. Uh, Jay Cutler, probably the high watermark in the Super Bowl era. I mean, the best quarterback that the Chicago Bears have had in 58 years of Super Bowl era ball is Jay Cutler. I don't know what else I need to say about that. You have Philadelphia Flyers goaltending, you have uh, LA Clippers centers, you have everybody on the Washington General. So that that, that whole team stinks. But what do you think is the worst? Position group in sports. Can we make a case that it is indeed Chicago Bears quarterbacks?
3: Here, I'll give you two stats that make it, a, I think, a slam dunk case. There is one franchise in the NFL that has never had a four thousand yard passer. That is the Chicago Bears. There is one franchise that has never had a quarterback throw thirty touchdown passes. That is the Chicago Bears. uh That's it. It's the Bears. It's not even close.
0: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm I'm thinking it through here. I've got to throw in Pittsburgh Pirates starting pitchers. But the but this is before they leave to go and throw high right. leverage um October ball. I'm talking about when they're still on the pirates. Those guys stink. Um Flyers goalies. Um Dodgers relief pitchers. They deserve a shout out. Tom Neidenfuhrer specifically, that was before you walked the planet Earth, uh, Spielberger. What about Bears? I think I think the Thunderdome of single worst position group for one team in the last half century is Chicago bears quarterbacks or Cleveland Browns quarterbacks decide that one. Go ahead.
3: Yeah. And it's tough that I'm, you know, going to give a big nod to Mr. Watson as the reason why they, and he hasn't even played well yet. He did. to his. Wait a defense. second. Wait a second.
0: Go ahead. Before you speak. Now you understand, I get there two and one, I get they've allowed one touchdown all season so far. The defense has, but you're going to say that the reason why the Bears QB in is worse than the Browns QB in and the Super Bowl player is Deshaun Watson?
3: Yeah, he should have probably should have been a Bear. Probably a good thing he wasn't. Uh probably should have been drafted by Chicago in 2017. Uh, but uh true. yeah, I mean, look, he he's been pretty bad in Cleveland. He was good he was 27 to 33 for 280 I think and two touchdowns. He did have one of the more inexplicable plays I've ever seen in my entire life in that game where he threw the ball backwards about 20 yards. I don't know what he was trying to accomplish there, but um, yeah, as sad as it is, as crazy as that sounds, he might be the, uh, the pendulum swing, the difference maker, uh, between the Brownies and the bears. I mean, they've shared a lot of names too. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like that, that list has a lot of, you know, Eskimo brothers on it, uh, of bad quarterbacks and backups and McCowns and,
0: and all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. No, not the good stuff, the bad stuff. Correct. Um, correct. <laughs> okay. Let's now try to figure out you just mentioned uh you know we we we're, we're talking some Deshaun questionable trade there. I think that's really what it comes down to is philosophically. The Browns the the Bears at least have have an easier exit plan with Justin Fields than what the Browns do. The teams that can salvage their season or improve their situation with some free agents that are floating out there right now. Again, you know, 10 years ago, there just were not very many trades in pro football. Herschel Walker is the one that always comes to mind, like in season can really swing um, the fortunes of a team. Who's out there right now? Like Bakhtiari, is, is that a reasonable name that we could see on the move here that might help a team that's uh, that's in need of a difference-making tackle, or is he washed up? Let's start with him.
3: Yeah, he just doesn't play enough. I don't think any team has taken that risk. He, he did have his contract redone, so it'd be cheap for the acquiring team. But no, yeah, agree. He, he's a Packer for life. And that knee he has is, is held together with, you know, bubble gum and prayers at this point.
0: Okay. Josh Jacobs. It's obviously not working there in Vegas for him this season. And, you know, you see the big, in, you, you see big name guys getting hurt at running back. Doesn't it make sense for somebody to be to, making some calls on Jacobs?
3: Yeah, I can see that one at the deadline. You know, if you're a team that, that uh you know, wants to improve there, can convince the Raiders, you are allowed to retain salary, you know, with a uh, franchise tag, they could rework the deal there to, you know, like we've seen in recent years, like Von Miller, a couple of years ago, going from Denver to the Rams, where they make the player cheaper for the acquiring team. They could do that with Jacobs.
0: Yeah, uh, that would make sense. As we get into to these names here, I'm going to throw you a handful of names here um, in the next couple of minutes. The bottom line is the recurring thing I've learned from talking to you is that you think like, oh, but the contract is too heavy and that team's up against the cap almost every single time. If a team wants a player, they can make it happen. Is that fair? I mean, there are very few, very few examples that you can say like, yeah, they just couldn't make the math work. Is that fair enough?
3: Oh, so it is. The key is it takes two to tango there, where if you're going to ask what I just said, where you ask a team, hey, can you retain salary to help our salary cap? You then in turn give a higher draft pick. So are you willing to pay more in draft pick compensation to save that cash is the question. If you're willing to do that, though, yeah, you can pretty much pull off you know, whatever you want.
0: Aaron Rodgers rips his Achilles. And within three minutes, I uh, direct message Brad Spielberger my Sherpa on these things and say, can't they go and uh, talk with the Rams and try and get Matthew Stafford? You said no. The Rams, having just paid out twenty six million to Stafford, are not going to be willing to do that, right? Still,
3: I also think they just look better than we expected, right? I mean, you know, rookie guard Steve Avila is a legit player already. Uh, their tackles are healthy, playing better. Huka Nakua, you know, the the emerging uh, you know superstar apparently in the NFL you know so once you get Cooper cut back and you know maybe the defense grows a little bit i think they feel as though they're like a frisky wild card type team which may not be true um but i think it's also that factoring in as well not just you know not wanting to move on from stafford it's also they probably think they can contend for you know a 7 seed in the nfc i
0: you know i kind of get where they are right now uh, the rams and why they would be feeling that way what about Ryan Tannehill, I said to you six months ago, why don't the Niners, instead of messing with Sam Darnold and waiting to see what's going to be with Brock Purdy, obviously Purdy's uh, elbows in, in in a better state than what I expected it to be. Either way, Ryan Tannehill feels like a viable starter to me, obviously a playoff guy um, <clears throat> in years past. Uh, is he an option for Nashville to part ways with and is he attractive to, do you think any would be contenders out there?
3: That's the one for me that if I'm the New York jets, you're calling Tennessee every week that they lose until they tell you to stop calling does have a big salary. But again, that's one that can be reworked again. You could find a, a compromise middle ground when Rogers takes the massive discount and gives you some money to work with. You know, that's in part, not for a quarterback, but you know, you can now use that to your advantage the offensive line in New York is a disaster, but you know, it, it's a disaster for Tannehill in Tennessee and has been for a couple of years as well. And the weapons in New York are as good or, or better than the weapons he's had since they traded away AJ Brown. So that's the one for me that if I'm the jets, if I'm serious about trying to contend this year, I'm calling Tennessee because I don't think Zach Wilson, here's a fun game for you. I don't think Zach Wilson's a top hundred quarterback in, in, in the world. I don't.
0: Wow. Well, I, I, I love that, but, you know, here's my devil's damashek for you on that. What would the Jets' record be right now if Aaron Rodgers hadn't gotten hurt?
3: Probably at least two and one. Well, they, who they lose to? They play Dallas, right? So yeah, they oh, they kill the Patriots with Aaron Rodgers. They obviously beat the Bills without him. And you know, week two would have been a toss up. Dallas' defense is pretty gnarly, but yeah, either two and one or three and oh. Ah, uh, because Dak, you know, on that offense, actually, Dak was okay yesterday. McCarthy was McCarthying as he's known to do. Um, but yeah, could it could be three and zero? Worst case, two and one.
0: Okay, you're one and two though. Okay, you have fourteen games remaining. Nothing is settled at this point. But is it worth it if you're the Jets to still be chasing this? I, I, I mean, obviously, you're not going to wave the white flag at this point. But you know, Kirk Cousins is that a possibility? I think how many games
3: Minnesota keeps losing makes it a bit interesting. You know, they have no backup plan. I like Tennessee more because you have Levis, you have Malik Willis. I mean, Minnesota, you know, they they have Jordan Tom, who they signed out of the XFL. They have Jaron Hall, the BYU guy from this year's draft class. But, like, you do owe your fans at least playing a guy who is, like, an NFL-caliber quarterback, which those guys probably aren't even in that conversation, you know, or a rookie like a Levis or, you know, a Willis. So, that gives me pause, but if they're like 0-5, 0-6, you know, he's he's not gonna get tagged. They're not gonna extend him. They need draft capital to go get a new quarterback, keep Justin Jefferson happy, yada, yada, yada. It makes sense for all of those reasons. The one, the one downside is like, who do you start uh under center?
0: Is it one of those things like I'm just gonna ask you a percentage on Tannehill, likelihood of him moving and Kirk Cousins? Is it about the state of the overall team? And if the Vikings get into such a, a dark spot that the Neil Hunter would also be then on the trade block. Is that, the, does that math kind of work for you that if they're willing to move on from cousins, obviously Hunter and and clear out as much cap space for 24 as possible.
3: Hunter is the name that I think is like, should be at the top of a hypothetical trade deadline targets. I think Hunter should be near the top to of that where? List.
0: Let me guess Baltimore Ravens.
3: They could certainly use them. Yeah. They could use some edge help. Uh, yeah. That, that works.
0: That, by the way, that's where I started to dip in on the Lamar Jackson experiment, which is this this monkin offense, which didn't look great. Um, My my continuing concern is the lack of a pass rush there in Baltimore. Great stuff from Hamilton setting the defensive back sack record in a single game and all of that, but it also does kind of indicate that they're having to do some wild stuff to make up for the lack of a traditional pass rush. Is that uh, of a would be contender in the AFC? That is the one. Outside of QB, that to me is like, man, the Ravens are are kind of light in terms of pass rush, pass defense specifically.
3: Yeah, that was my biggest concern. I mean, I did think there'd be more growing pains with Munken. I know they didn't look good this week against Indianapolis, but I mean, you're down your two best offensive linemen. Like, I think you, you dive in the tape a little bit. They, they need to add a running back that can at least give them three yards in a cloud of dust. Uh, they're not even getting that right now. So, uh, but yes, their defensive line. Oh, Owe. The you know the the former first rounder looks pretty good, but they have no like difference maker. You add in a hunter, and then the rest of the guys they do have, and kind of had that knockdown effect. I think it makes a huge difference for that defense. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a concern for me, no question.
0: Right. I I mean I keep coming back to the Ravens as a team that feels like they they are a candidate for a number of pieces. Like I say, for an edge rusher, one, but two. Are you surprised that? They haven't made a stronger play yet, at least outwardly, to get Jonathan Taylor or short of that, Josh Jacobs. I mean that they're the team that feels like there are guys out there. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm. I, do you think that Kareem Hunt and the Ravens didn't happen because of the Ravens' history and Kareem Hunt's off the field history? That's my assumption on that.
3: I'm with you on that one. Yep.
0: So, yeah, but that doesn't mean that wouldn't rule them out. Obviously, if you're seeing Melvin Gordon getting important carries in an NFL game in 2023, you would think that Jonathan Taylor going there because I assume the Dolphins have self-declared, I guess we don't need a fancy running back given what we have in house here and dropping 70 on a pro football team. So that kind of clears the path for a team like the Ravens to go and get Jonathan Taylor if they want him.
3: I think they could make that move if they wanted to. They're a super expensive roster, uh, didn't have a lot of draft capital last year, so like it's an interesting spot. Um, I think even going smaller than that, like a guy like Deontay Foreman in Chicago, give playoff Lenny a call. I don't know what he's up to, uh, sitting on his couch in Tampa. Yeah, I know it's less exciting than the splash plays, but yeah, you know, or you just bring in one of those guys, you don't extend them, but you say, Hey, we'll put you in the most advantageous rushing offense that for a running back that exists because Lamar Jackson's gravity makes that job the best like you and I could average two yards of carry maybe that's generous uh, you know in, in that offense because defenses have to account for Lamar say hey look Jonathan we're not going to extend you you're going to come in you're going to play 10 games with Lamar Jackson and then someone else can pay you in free agency I would do that if I was them.
0: Poor Eddie Spaghetti has heard me say this about 292 times in the last couple of months. But I was very pleased with the analogy I, I landed on, the pop culture circa 1978 analogy. Running backs just have to adjust their expectation in their role in pro football. It's, it's like Zsa, Zsa Gabor or Charo going on Love Boat. They're still big stars. They're just guest starring on that show for one appearance, and then they move on to another show next week isn't that basically the relationship running backs are going to have with pro football for the next couple of years it's not bad it's a, just like you're not going to be wearing the same outfit next week you're just going to be you know you're not going to be on love boat you're going to be on fantasy island next week isn't that about what running backs should expect and that's not the worst thing in the world you just move around you get name
3: yeah, you're still a name. You still draw a crowd. It's like you're doing your greatest hits tour, but it still puts butt, butt butts in the seats. You're just not making you know the the money you were back in the day.
0: Not as much, but you still are going to get paid, yeah. right? I mean, that's not the worst life, is it? No. I mean, but but am I right that that's what these guys should expect? Is it like it's yes. like you're a finishing piece for this team this year? But don't don't make too many friends. You know, don't don't yes. uh, don't buy, just rent, right?
3: Exactly right. Exactly right. Just just right. rents. Get a condo. You know, near the near the stadium. Don't need to get a house and, and plant roots. I mean, look, Dalvin Cook getting seven million dollars already looks like a gigantic overpay. Uh, and we're three we're three weeks into the season, so it's it's only getting worse from here. Uh, because that signing looks. I mean, he's averaging like two yards a carry. So yeah.
0: All right. I it's more likely that I'll allow some big names to slip through the cracks. So instead, I'm just going to throw it back in your lap. Who is or who are? the guys that you feel strongest are going to move to contending teams and make the biggest difference. I'm talking about guys that you actually think these guys are going to switch NFL teams between now and the deadline and are going to change what we think is going to, who's the favorites are going to be in the two conferences.
3: Yep. Number one for me, probably comfortably, uh, is Brian Burns in Carolina. He he wanted to get a deal done, you Mm. know, an extension before the season. There's the reports that they turned down two firsts and a second from the Rams last year. That's been confirmed and verified by a whole lot of people. Uh, No reason to not believe that's true. Uh, They're 0-3. They probably want to get some draft capital back that they gave up to go get uh, Bryce Young. And this year's drafts. Um, I, I think also at a certain point, if they're you know one in five, whatever, he might say, Hey, I'd like to go play somewhere else. So, yeah, he's number one for me. I think he will get moved to the deadline. Uh Daniel Hunter, we talked about is as a very big option. Tell me where.
0: Where go ahead, let's let let's just do it. Say where Burns is gonna land.
3: So a, LA could call back again. Maybe they're still interested. And then you mentioned Baltimore. I mean, I think both of those guys like you know, outside linebacker type players. Hunter's kind of a hybrid, but, but yeah, I like I, Baltimore or LA uh, would make a ton of sense for Brian Burns and they might be, you know, just like we saw with Roquan Smith last year, they might be willing to extend him, you know, kind of quickly. Um, so yeah, I'll say one of those two for him. Oh, I should have a longer list here. I mean, Tannehill, get, Tannehill it, I just feel like the Titans think they can win this division and like Mike Vrabel just refuses to die. Um, But yeah, I'll do it. Let's say let's do it. Let's send Tannehill to the Jets in two weeks.
0: We'll, we'll pull that off uh, and we'll get the Levis show underway in Tennessee. I get that it's waving the white flag and announcing we know we're not going to the playoffs. But if, you know, the Vikes get to one and five, one and six, they ain't going to the playoffs. Do they trade Kirk Cousins and where will he land? That one I'm gonna say
3: no, just because, like I said, I think you are trying to. They, well, first of all, they care about their fan, like their fans watching every Sunday. They love going 500. They're obsessed with going 500. It, also, in their defense, I mean, you have one score losses to the Chargers and, and the Eagles, like the last two weeks, right? Like they could be two and one. They could be three and zero right now. The Bucs game also could have swung in their direction. So. It's classic regression from last year. They're now zero three in one score games after going eleven and zero last season. Who could have possibly seen that coming? All right, so I got the list here. So I think Burns is definitely the, the big ticket, and that'll be interesting. Um, Devonte Adams, I don't see happening. It's a contract thing there. I'm sure he would love to leave, but but I just don't see it. Uh Do you? I'm I not mean,
0: like I outwardly. Maybe I'm naive. I just thought Devontae Adams like. I always my lifelong thing was to be a Raider and with Derek Carr and things just keep uh, falling away. And he's like, all right, I'm a pro. I'm going to stick it out here and keep putting up uh, ridiculous numbers on my way to the Hall of Fame.
3: Maybe he should. Yeah. I mean, I saw last night, he's like now I think second all time in, in reception or in games with 10 plus catches. Uh, Like he's, he can just, you know, hang out near his home, near his hometown in California and just ride off into the sunset. But a big part of that was playing with his college quarterback and Derek Carr. And then Josh McDaniel said, I'm going to kick him out of town, bring in my guy and then kick field goals with two minutes left down eight. So, you know, uh, his opinion may change. uh, Devontae Adams, that is. So, Let's see who else here. Throw out some other names. I'll tell you what, what I think.
0: Uh, Mike Evans.
3: If the season slips, I could see it. I, he probably wants to be a Buccaneer for life, but I don't think they get a deal done off to a good start. Probably still has some value uh, and where it's not going to be someone flashy like Kansas City. Like I could see the Giants trying to get a big body receiver and just turn this offense around for Brian Dable. Um, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, let's go there. Let's go. Mike Evans is the Giants. Let's do it. Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. You know, I think, I think it could happen. I really do. Um, I think, uh, yeah. So the question is, where does he go? Hmm. Let's go Green Bay. They they called. They apparently were in on the conversation. I know they have Aaron Jones, but A.J. Dillon, you know, looking like one of the slower fullbacks in the NFL so far through three weeks. Uh, let's go Green Bay. They call back. They want to get a running back. They want to protect. I'm Jordan surprised Love. by that.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised yeah. by the A.J. Dillon lack of uh, blow up. I was I was sure that that was was coming here. I don't know if it ever is going to happen there. Uh, yeah. Josh Jacobs, uh, last one. I don't see it. I, it's <laughs> just tough with
3: the, yeah. Cause, so it's tough there. Like the reason I like Taylor a lot more is contractually. and I know I go to everything there, but you know, on a rookie deal, super cheap, you can tag him for a first time. You know, with Jacobs, it's a second tag at a higher number now, you know, or you pay him right away. Hasn't really looked all that good either, uh, frankly. So yeah, I think Taylor is the, is the big name running back that might move.
0: Um, Last question, uh, hard right turn, Um, although I guess we're talking Josh Jacobs. What did you think of Josh McDaniels' decision uh, to to kick the field goal and get it to a five-point game there? Much has been made about it. People announced McDaniels literally has to be fired for blowing this decision. Where did you come down on that one? I kind of get it. The only reason I disagree with McDaniels on it is because Devontae Adams is uncoverable it there it's as though they complicated matters for themselves it was apparent that Adams in um, you know making short throws when you have to make the two and a half yards there was nothing the Steelers were going to do to keep the ball away from Devonte Adams and they could have just kept targeting him ergo making the two-point conversion wouldn't have been but the assumption that well, you have to go for it on fourth and four because if you can if you get it there, then you're down to but you still have to make the two-point conversion, which is not, you know, that's it, it, that's not a simple matter. I kind of got it when you know the Steelers are unlikely to throw, which then they kind of surprised you and made the first down on third by throwing it there. How say you, Spielberger?
3: Yeah. So for I me, mean, first off, yeah, Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson against Devontae Adams is about as big of a mismatch that exists in the entire NFL. But right. um, Here's the, my bigger issue. So the first field goal, they kicked with about, I want to say three and a half minutes left where they made it, but they had the penalty onto Marvin Leal, uh, you know, for whatever, like jumping on the, the center. I know if exactly you're going, what
0: you're going to say here. And I know you're right. Go ahead.
3: Right. If, if, if you, if you're playing, okay, we're going to accept this penalty and continue driving Right then, you're done with the field goal, right? Because you know. Yes. You take-
0: do, you've announced that this drive is the touchdown or bus Correct. drive. That's exactly Correct. right. When you accept the 50, which obviously you're going to accept it. Yes.
3: Right. Because then you take, I think it was another minute and a half, like it was two minutes and 20 seconds by the time they get down there. Yes, you have three timeouts. Yes, you know, the two point or the two minute, you know, whatever. Yes, Canada and the Pittsburgh Steelers offense is not the scariest, you know, by any means. But once you make that decision, you have to go for it.
0: Uh, Yeah. Short of a sack or a penalty that moves you back into an implausible uh, conversion situation. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. You accept the 15 yards, you move up there. Well, now you have to leave them down. Yeah. If you don't make it on fourth down, you leave them down there and take your chances. Um, Spielberger, you're the tops man. Um, Thanks for all the time. As always, hope things turn around for you with, uh, with your Chicago sports fandom, not a good time to be a, Chicago sports fan, man. But, oh, great news and muzzle tov to your missus. Well, we've really, we've hailed you before as the smartest of our guests because you married someone smarter and more successful than you. She is a doctor who is going to be taking her residency to Pittsburgh, PA, McGee's Women Hospital, where one Dave Damashek was born many moons ago. You're going to get to live on the banks of the three rivers, you lucky dog,
3: you. I'm pumped. I'm super pumped. Yeah. I'm excited to move out there. Be there soon. I'll be a yinzer. I'll come on with your accent about like six months in and we'll just go back and forth and it'll be great. <laughs>
0: dude. you know how to talk like that there. You got to know, you got to learn like Mike Tomlin. Dude, dude, I don't know what Mike Tomlin's even doing out there, dude. Does he know what the, you know, he knows it's the 21st century. You can't be punting all the time. You got to go for it on fourth time, you know, like that. Do you know how to do that?
3: I'm gonna no, I don't, I gotta work on it. I've never even tried it. I can do it in New York
0: because my family's do it right New now. Yorkers. Do it right now. Let's let's have your first lesson. Ready, said go. Say something in Pittsburgh East. So uh, g-
3: give me a give me a sense. Give me a sentence.
0: Talk about uh talk about the time that uh, Ben Roethlisberger threw a touchdown pass against the Cleveland Browns. Oh
3: you saw Big Ben? Drop back for now. Nah, I got. I got to work they out. Gonna,
0: wrote no. They want this burger. They this the brands. The brands is like we got to get him banned to ground, and he's like seven. It's like they like Rodgers Like get out, dude. And then he just won it to the end zone touchdown. What else is new, dude? The brands is the brands, and the stillers is the stillers. It's a story old as time. Don't you see next time I, got- I come on,
3: I promise
0: next okay, time I come now, on, I'll have worked on it. I'll, I'll have really in the mirror, kind
3: of really just visualize it and we'll, we'll go back and forth. I promise.
0: Spielberger continued success. Go get them with this new one. Yin's no ball, um, but starting out this week, what uh, serendipity to have you join us then in anticipation of that great new podcast and all the great work you're doing at PFF, take it and tell your people at PFF to take it easy on the Pittsburgh people already. TJ Watt is just as good as Miles Garrett. Nay, even better. I don't care what pass, pass rush win rate says.
3: Bunch of nerds. but I know, right? Just watch the game. You know, just watch Bunch the game, read the box scores. Bunch of nerds.
0: Dude, that's saying Monson don't know nothing about, what's he know about the uh, about the gridiron, dude? He'd go back and play soccer, dude. That's what he's all about, right? I don't know. Yeah, anyway. drinking
3: Guinness and playing soccer. What does he know?
0: He don't know nothing. All right, thanks, Spielberger. You're the best. Thank you. And now a quick
4: break.
0: All right, there he goes, Eddie Spaghetti. Your thoughts on what he had
1: to say? Well, first, to make Brad feel better, I know they uh, we mentioned hockey's on the way soon. The uh, ESPN put out an article, their bull prediction NHL article, and they said, you know, Connor Bedard, thirty-five goals. So while Justin Fields wow. is letting everyone down, um, maybe you're the phenom that the, the Blackhawks have uh, will make them feel a lot better there. And and I will say, you know, I've been in a kind of a funk since Saturday night. Um, that field goal kick the or attempt by mcdaniel's and exactly what i agree with too is like to me missing like turnover on downs on fourth is the same exact result as getting the field goal because it's either, if you turn the ball over on downs you're not getting the ball back and if you kick a field goal and make it and you're down five you're not getting the ball back you're just essentially losing by less points so to me it was just the most asinine play i've ever seen it was like it actually like sucked me back into caring about football again because i was like i cannot believe this man is a professional head coach getting paid millions of dollars and that like if i was the kicker the special teams and i would have been like no 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 we should not go out here and do this like i just don't grasp that at all. I don't ever think it's a smart idea in, in football to just rely on your defense, especially when all you needed to do was get 10 yards, which you did. And I'm not even anti, I, we all picked the Steelers too. So I was happy with the result to me. Well, it was me just too. I just
0: thought it was surprising. I just, uh, as I say, I could see standing across from Mike Tomlin and his wildly conservative instincts leading me to add up to. They're gonna th- we have our three timeouts. They're gonna run this ball into the line at least the first two plays. And then it's basically we've got to stop them on third and long. I was surprised that the Steelers got it to third and four in that spot, as a matter of fact, because you could sit on the run and it's so predictable there. I, I get what you're saying. Also, not that it I mean, I'm I'm happy with the win everything up, but I mean, again, poor Minka Fitzpatrick. Terrible. On on Monday night, you understand. He's going too low when he hits the guy in the legs. Then he runs in an upright position. He runs into another grown man too high, too high. Well, I mean, what if you're Minko Fitzpatrick, what are you supposed to do? A crazy, I mean, the the game with one more stop on third down there, that game is over and it never gets close. And, mm-hmm. so, you know, the, the Marvin Leal, I mean, that he hoisted himself on the back of a ghost on the Raiders. I mean, on the field goal try. That was another wacky call by the officials there. Uh, So my takeaway is maybe it's a rationalization. That should have been a once Mm -hmm. in a blue moon. Nice breezy win for the Steelers where I didn't have to sweat. I ended up having to Again, white knuckle it, but thank goodness they're two and one. And then postscript, they're sitting on the runway on Monday in Kansas City, waiting to get back to Pittsburgh so that then they can get on a plane in five days and fly to Houston to play a game. CJ Stroud and uh, Texans team, but uh, we're right as rain. Now, let's wrap it up with this, though, Spaghetti. I said I wanted to talk college football. I'd be sick in my balls if I were you because. Well, confirm them. It's a heartbreaker, obviously, but for all the other coaching mistakes, I mean, two straight plays with 10 guys on the field at the goal line. How say you?
1: It's inexcusable. I mean, especially because Al Golden has a history of not only being like uh, a veteran of both, you know, leagues, but also a, a head coach. And I mean, it's just, it's one thing if Freeman is a younger head coach that happens, um, you know, if offense screws up, which they did Gerard Parker with that terrible screen pass on second down. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I like the, the cushion they gave on that like second or third and 19 tool. And they had 21 yards to the end zone. And they allowed 20 yards. So they got enough for the first down. Like all you had to do was keep him within that first down marker, and things change. But like a lot of people pointed out, if they didn't throw that screen on second down, that's that's chewing up clock. It just should have been estimate run, estimate run, estimate run, chew up their their clock, uh, make them use their timeouts and then pump the ball away. And they have to get on the field to score a touchdown. And then you're most likely winning this game. We're not going to see any of those passes at the end of the game that go on. I mean, they dropped two interceptions in that final drive, which was terrible as well. There were so many opportunities to seal that game up. I believe they do that thing on um, on ESPN where they have like that. that win percentage uh, graph, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And after right. that, after that estimate run, when they got the ball back, um, and they they got the big chunk under first down, it was at ninety one percent. Now, obviously, we've seen games flip that have been a higher percentage, but that the game was in the bag even with two plus minutes left. Um, like I said, they were the better team. They the Ohio State had no answer for the running game in the second half. Uh, they kind of I can't the believe a little it. I and, can't.
0: I mean, that really that the coaches cost the kids that game, and I feel bad on both sides of it, because then Ryan day is puffing his chest out and going after old man, Lou Holtz. Um, And if I were an Irish fan, I'd be like, leave poor old man, Lou alone. But I, you know, Ryan day acting like a toughie because his QB, his 18 year old kid made a couple of special throws. And I think he, the kid deserves credit for that. I feel bad when things like this happen and you're like, coaching air cost the game. And that was terrible. And it was like, it was very close right down there at the goal line. And man, that was super duper close to the guy the, kid keep his knee off the ground to get in there. But, but it also is like, it's obscured. What should be the big takeaway is that Ohio state kid was in a real tough spot and made a couple of, dandy throws. He's 18 years old in sure. South Bend. Everybody uh, in green rooting against him. I thought that was
1: cool. He made some good throws. It also had two drop interceptions in that last drive. And, I get uh, I'm just, and again, I'm just like, saying I'm shouting him out plays, in that tough spot two there. plays with that with 10 guys on the field and uh, you know, it just um, uh, like the soft cushion that like that throw I keep bringing up and yeah, I mean Ryan Day, if you beat Notre Dame 50 to nothing, I would say um, it's one of those things where you could you could scream about Lou Holtz, 86 uh, year old Lou Holtz or whatever who's being honored that day, but it, you when you when you scrape by and barely won you, a game you shouldn't have won to go and attack him like that is strange. And plus Ryan Day looks like he's wearing another guy's skin on his body. What a weird looking man. Um, he, so is, it, is
0: it dyed hair? I is have that, no idea. Does he dye his beard? Or it's like, is that yeah, why it, he
1: looks that way? It's like he changes skin. So I, I don't care. I mean, look, I, huh. I felt good about that game. I um Notre Dame proved they can hang with the big boys this year, and a down here for Ohio State. Marvin Harris, I know he got banged up, was a non-factor in that game, too. So so many things went right the game plan was right but they just did not execute um you know with with, you know a few minutes left in that game and it's one of the worst losses and i'm just so defeated i'm so deflated and i know as annie staples said a week or two ago um, that even with a loss, it doesn't really matter necessarily because as well, long as Notre Dame beat them now, as long now as they Notre Dame sweeps all those other, other teams, the Duke matchup's huge on the road, Clemson on the road, and they had a you know a tough game versus Florida State, and then obviously the big one versus USC. I mean, did I think Notre Dame would go undefeated this year? Probably not, but um, it, it just um, you just want to win one that you should have won. It's like this is the ah. one year things did not have to go right in every facet to win. They and they messed up a lot of things. But they were still, they still played well enough to win. And it just, it just stinks to lose this one because I, it felt like it was in the bag. I was about to celebrate. It would have been one of the better wins of my life and um I just I don't know why <laughs> I still literally have literally would
0: have been too. I don't
1: know, why I, I don't know why I don't know why I don't I just hate sports. I hate this like this darkness in me that I have through for sports. Uh a week <laughs> ago I was having fun in Austin listening to music, eating good food and yet I decided to work in this and have to watch this and have a fandom I can't shake and it just it stinks and I want to give it up but it is what it is.
0: Well, since you hate USC, maybe Oregon'll embarrass them by keeping the game close. All of a sudden I feel like Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley have the have a world of pressure on them mm. to to not just win, but they have to house
1: Pac-12's Colorado great. or Pac 12 is so up. good. The pac 12 is so good. Oregon is so good. Washington's so good. Well, whatever's left of the Pac-12. And yeah, I mean I even that UCLA Utah game was tough. They're in the, Utah's in the top ten now. Um, and yeah, I mean that's just that's a real you said it last week too with Andy, is it the best year ever? And it's like that, those are some legitimate title contender teams.
0: What a sad thing. All right, listen, we've said it all. We'll be back, though, to say some more on Thursday. Excited, by the way, for Kevin Hench and all our writer pals that the strike appears to be resolved. So Kevin Hench will work around his gigantic schedule and squeeze in some of his sports thoughts for you. Also, of course, we will be delivering the minus three 15 minute NFL pregame show for you obviously we'll have that for you on friday we appreciate everybody checking that out on twitter and youtube we appreciate you subscribing two extra points on youtube consuming all the content uh out there waiver wired with spaghetti and jen piacenti three times a week he got trendy extra points with me and sarah tiana and martin weiss is our guest this week coming at you on wednesday there's covered in glory there's lemon pepper parlay oh so much to consume Uh, Make sure you're checking it all out. And uh, until Thursday, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.